0: Now, as we've been going through, and and some of you are aware of this, the book of Colossians, we ran smack into Colossians chapter 3 verse 21, which reads, Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Period. And there was no positive instruction there for fathers, not to cast any uh, blame or to find any fault with Holy Scripture, but uh, we also yearn for more, and we yearn for some more instruction on that matter, and so we turn to the book of Ephesians, a sister passage which gives not only the negative... Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but also a positive statement, which is jam-packed with truth, which we started to open up last Lord's Day. The positive statement is, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's Ephesians 6.4. Bring them up in physical matters, in spiritual matters, in emotional matters. Fathers, parents, you're responsible to raise them according to God's Word. You're responsible for their whole character, for their whole being. To see them grow, not just in stature, but also in wisdom, and also in favor with God and man. And of course, our hands are, our abilities are limited, and we cry to God, O Lord, bless the work of our hands. And we've been looking at this, this stupendous undertaking, and we saw from that passage in Ephesians that it really points to three activities that fathers must do, parents must do, and I'll include moms, to see their children nourished and raised properly. And that is, there must be teaching, Oh, so the first teacher of a child is his parents. Secondly, there must be verbal correction. You've got to tell them where they went wrong. That's the word admonition here in Ephesians 6.4. But there must also be discipline. That is the discipline of punishment when they have gone wrong and they need to feel the consequences of that wrong. And as I told my kids many times, sin makes you miserable. And you need to teach them that and the earlier they learn that lesson the better for them. And so we've been taking up, and I, I planned to take up last week this aspect especially of teaching, but we only got so far. So this week we're going to focus on the responsibility of parents to teach their children. Teach them especially, as Ephesians 6.4 put it, bring them up in the Uh, discipline and admonition of the Lord. Of the Lord. We need to teach them God's Word. And so how do we do that? Well, two ways, and I think we'll only get to the first tonight, and that is teach your children the Word of God in family devotions. Now, I don't remember when it would be that there was a a sermon or even a Sunday school here at Trinity Baptist Church on family devotions. Uh, Probably not recent. I know that there were the series I mentioned last week of Moulding Your Child's Character by Pastor Nichols, How Not to Foul Up uh, the, the Raising of Your Children by Pastor Martin. But those were some years ago. So let's consider the responsibility of parents to teach their children God's Word in family devotions. And so we'll start there the necessity of it, then we'll look at the uh, way it's done. All right, so the necessity of it, the elements of it, then uh, some miscellaneous directions, and finally some applications. And I suspect, being realistic, After preaching 30, 40 years, you get to have a feel for these things. I think that's as far as we'll get. All right, so let's let's do that. First of all, the necessity of it. Why is it necessary, you say? I mean, I was raised, my parents never did this. So why do we have to do that? Well, let's take, first of all, the Bible commands it. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6. This is part of that passage in the Old Covenant, which is called by rabbis, the Shema. Because it starts out with the Hebrew command, Shema. Hear, listen. Hear, O Israel. In verse 4. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. Alright, brethren? Take God's word to heart. But He doesn't stop there. They shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. God's word is to be taught to your children at home. When you sit in your house, you teach these words diligently to your sons. When you lie down, when you rise up, it's not just something you do and it's done and you wash your hands of it. It's something that is to be done in one sense, sunrise to sunset. But if you're going to do that, you know as well as I do, that if you just say, well, we'll get to that, you never get to it. You never get around to it. You have to plan to do it, and you have to put, make time to do it, and that means that you do it when you sit down in your house. Some point in time, you're going to teach your children God's Word. That's a command. Diligently. And this was the commandment of God to Abraham when he called Abraham, in fact, uh, to be his and to, as it were, begin the whole family of the Jewish race. Look at Genesis chapter 18. This is what God says as the reason why he called Abraham to himself. Genesis 18 and verse 19. So if this was true for the father of the Jewish people, in other words, the father of God's people, it should be true for all of God's people. Genesis 18, 19. Let's begin verse 17. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For... I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice in order that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. I've chosen him, not just so that he'll get to heaven at last, not just so that I'll have a people on earth, But I've chosen him, and it's not just for his generation, but I've chosen him that he would teach his children, his household after him. And so the next generation teaches their children, and the next generation teaches their children. And what happened, the sad thing, when you come to the book of Judges, after they enter the promised land, and they receive all of this territory, all this real estate that God had promised to them. The next generation grew up and they did not know God because their parents had neglected this reality, this commandment that the fathers should communicate to the children the word of God, that they would keep it by doing righteousness, that is, obeying God's law, and justice in their dealings, the second table of the law, with one another. And so, the Bible commands it. And how are you going to obey Ephesians 6, 4, which I read to you earlier, where the fathers are commanded to bring up your children nourish them, see that they grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man, see that they grow into well-rounded human beings, creatures of God, how can you do that unless you teach them God's Word? When will you do it? Well, we call that family devotions. I'll describe more of that, so just hang on, we'll come to that. We're dealing with the necessity of it, though, first. So, God commands it in His Word, but secondly, parents, what do you want for your children? What are your goals? You know, you want to see them become doctors or lawyers or maybe Indian chiefs, or butchers or bakers or candlestick makers... You want to see them saved above everything else, no matter what they become. Okay, you want them to be decent, law-abiding citizens, of course. You want them to have a good job and provide for their family if they're males. You want them to be good moms, uh, taking care of children, raising the next generation with the fathers. But you want them to be saved. Now, how is that going to happen? if they are ignorant of God's Word. Well, maybe they'll absorb something at church. Maybe their Sunday school teacher will have some good influence on them. Maybe at trail life, they'll have a a scout leader, a troop leader, who will somehow impact their life, their young life for good. Well, you know, (laughs) it starts at home. If you want to see them saved, they're sinners, they're not angels, they're not innocent. They're born stamped with the character of Adam upon them. All fell in Adam. From Adam we inherit a sinful nature. From Adam we get a bad record and a bad heart. What's going to remedy that? The gospel of Jesus Christ. They cannot save themselves. You cannot save them. Your religion will not save them. How we wish at times. My faith could save my children. It doesn't work that way. They must come to Christ. For themselves. On his terms. But you parents. You don't save them, and if they're not saved, it's their sin, but you have a big part to play, and part of that is this task, this role, this responsibility, this delight of opening up God's Word to them and explaining it in simple terms. I had a pastor who was from Arkansas. And this is back in the church I used to be in years ago. And he said, you know, you've got to take, take up that food and you've got to chop it up so small, even the little pigs can eat it. Well, that's what you've got to do in family devotions. You've got to chop it up so small that the littlest ones get it, but the big ones are not bored. That's family devotion. Devotions. You show them that they're sinners and you show them that there's a Savior and you show them that the Savior says, Come to me, and that He receives all who come to Him. And you show it to them in family devotions and, well, maybe we'll get to it tonight. You show it to them all along the way. All right, let's, let's go then to the elements. What do you do? What are you talking about, pastor? What's this family devotions thing? Well, this is what you do. Uh, and I, I put basically three parts to it. And one is Bible meditation. Now, it, Bible meditation, you see, is more than Bible reading. I almost said Bible reading, but that's just too shallow. Because you don't want to just read the text and say, okay, we're done, boom. Uh, Bible meditation, because in a sense that's what you do in your personal devotions. I hope you meditate, you try to take that text, take the passage you read, chew it up, digest it, get it down into your heart and life somehow. And that's what you want to do with your children. Now, I almost said Bible study, but that might seem to be too deep or too heavy. You might say, well, I never went to Bible school, I can't do a Bible study. I'm not gifted like that. Well, so let's take a a term in the middle. More than Bible reading, not a sermon, Bible meditation. Now I don't know if this family was part of Trinity Baptist Church, but I sort of remember Pastor Martin telling us at one point about a family where the, the man made a pulpit and he put the pulpit in his living room and for family devotions he preached to his kids. And, well, that's not what I'm saying. Okay? You take your Bible, you open it with your kids, and you meditate, you show to them what the passage says and what it means and how it applies to them. Now, you can't do this if you're not personally meditating on Scripture for your own soul. You come to the Bible as a stranger and you read a passage and you say, I don't know. I don't get this. That's not going to help them. So maybe you read it ahead of time be a good idea. And I hope you've read the whole Bible through and you're on your, I don't know how many times through. Of course, if you're a new Christian, it's your first time through. But read it so you know what you're saying to your kids you have to be feeding your own soul on the word of God personally if you're going to be able to feed others that goes for pastors too that's why it's very important for the pastors to maintain their personal devotional life as one of you know not not that we just get paid to do that it's not just my job okay I got to do it but if I don't do that how am I going to stand up here on a Sunday? And so for you, brethren, if you're going to teach your children and family devotions, it underscores the responsibility you have to maintain the health of your own soul. Now, all right, let's be practical. I'm going to teach my kids the Bible. And I have a family, and I look out here, you know. So I see families in front of me. Thankfully, it's not just a camera up on the wall uh, that I'm talking to, so I can see families. And I see, you know, you, you line them up there, and you got maybe a uh, start. Start well. Let's start the little little guys. And so, new baby born, and then they get up. Maybe you know, big sister is five, and big brother is ten. And maybe big, big brother, we have word for that in Filipino kuya, is 15. Whoa, how do you deal with this range in the family? Well, for the little kids, you have to have something for them. And so maybe use a Bible story book with pictures, and you have to be careful. Choose a good one. I'm not talking about pictures of Jesus that violate the the Second Commandment. We don't have graven images. So you choose your Bible story book carefully, and there are good ones out there. And I think uh, Miss Nancy can help you find them down in the bookstore whenever they open up again. So good Bible story book for the little kids with the pictures, uh, as. They get a little older, then you go to the narrative portions, narrative portions of the Old Testament, the Gospels, those stories. But don't just give them, and I say this to Sunday school teachers as well, don't just teach them the Bible in a moralistic manner. What do I mean? Share your toys, be a good boy, and you'll make Jesus happy. Is that the Gospel? Teach them what God requires. Teach them that they're sinners. Teach them they need a Savior. And teach them that Jesus receives sinners. Use those Bible stories not to give moralistic lessons. Oh, yeah, teach them how to live, teach them to share their toys. Those are good things. But teach them what to do when they sin, that there's a Savior for sinners. So for the younger kids, you start out with those stories. Then you go to the book of Proverbs, okay? So again, not just moralistically. Proverbs, they're, they're guidelines for living. But what do you do when you don't obey the proverb? What do you do when you sin? There's a sacrifice, as we read, even from the book of Leviticus. And the sacrifice that we have, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Older children, as they get older, their reasoning ability develops. And so you go to the letters of Paul. You go to the the book of Acts. You see how the church grows. You go to the more didactic teaching passages. And you help them reason through. What the scriptures say. So teach them also that it applies to you. Don't give the kids the idea that the Bible is just something that you can sort of throw at them, but it's something that you apply to your own heart as well when you read the scriptures together. So read the Bible, Bible meditation use a plan yeah, especially with, as they get older but teach the scriptures to your children the law, the gospel the precepts, the practice teach them day by day so that's the first thing Train your children, teach them in family devotions by opening the scriptures. Now, the second aspect of family devotions is prayer. In all of its aspects, every part of it, uh, and the main point I would say here is avoid being mechanical. Avoid being repetitious. But I want to underscore again, how can you teach your children to pray if you're not praying yourself, if it's not just something you do when you come to family devotions, but it's something you do as much as you breathe, you wake up in the morning, you cry to God. I remember reading in one of the Puritans, I don't remember which one and where I read it, but he said, You should look at the birds. And what do they do? Every mouthful they take, they go like this. <laughs> And The Puritan said, well, what they're doing is they're looking up to God saying, 'Thank saying, thank you for that morsel. It's like every bite, every breath. We, God has been gracious to us. Prayer ought to be so much a part of us. That when we come to family devotions, your children do not sense that somehow you're putting on a show for them. But that this is the real deal. You're talking to a real God that you really know, that you really have a relationship with. Prayer. In all of its aspects, and what are the aspects of prayer? Well, um, you know, there are various ways of breaking this down. Uh, the, the, The simple one is ACTS. You've probably heard of that acronym. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Acts. Maybe that's an easy way to remember it. Another way you might say is praise. We praise God. Don't just come to God in prayer as a family and say, God, give us this, give us that, we need this, we need that. Help with this, help with that. But remember to praise God in prayer as a family, and that's magnifying the God for who he is, not only for what he's done. Make your family worship a time of worship. Just that, worship. That we're here to give glory to our God. So there's praise, there's confession. And now, of course, that's probably more appropriate when you come to discipline, but perhaps there's been a family sin of neglect or uh, something that you've done, maybe even a, a parental sin that you would confess. A confession is part of prayer that needs to be taught to children by your example. Train them what it means to ask God's forgiveness. Confession, Thanksgiving. And we have so many things to be thankful for. Are you thankful that we're able to gather here together? Now, as I look out and I see the kids, uh, I see your faces. You know, it's, it's something, as I mentioned, I believe a week or two ago, that I as a pastor have missed with this whole quarantine thing. And I still kind of miss it, because you can't come up and hug me. You can't come up, you know, like usual at the door. But I look on your faces, and I see kids who are listening to preaching. And, you know, if you're watching on the on the internet, and you say, what? How do they do that? Well, we try to make it interesting for kids. We try to break down, as I said, uh, you know, break it up so little pigs can eat it. But, uh The Bible is appropriate for every age group. And one of the things as we're here together, we thank God we're together. We have so much to be thankful for. You know, it could have been 95 degrees today. So maybe you got a little sun. I got a little sun this morning. But hey, we're thankful it wasn't 95 degrees. We thank God that it wasn't raining. We thank God we're able to be here and not cooped up in our homes. I, I spoke to one of the men at the men's Bible study a couple weeks ago. He said, "I'm just tired of being cooped up in my my apartment." <laughs> well, yeah, we're thankful to be able to be here. We're thankful for all those who set up chairs and set up microphones and set up all this stuff you see out here. We're thankful. We have much to praise God for. And so part of your prayer time with your family is what can we give God thanks for? Not just Thursday, but every day. What are we thankful for today? So praise, confession, thanksgiving, but also supplication and petition. Supplication for your family members right there. So kids, what can we pray for for you? What's your request? Uh, How about you? and pray for extended family. Your grandparents, your your aunts and uncles and cousins. Pray for that those family members that we love and care for and maybe some of them are not saved and we want them to hear the gospel. We pray for them. Uh, we pray for those who are sick, for those who are elderly. We, we pray for our family members family needs. Maybe there's with this whole COVID situation, maybe there's a need for work and income and we pray that God will provide. And we make that a regular matter, not as a pattern that we go through by rote, but as a genuine concern day by day. Uh, but is part of these supplications or petitions for others outside the family, for the pastors, for the church. Are you praying for the services? Are you praying for good weather? Pray that God will enable us to continue gathering. You know, it's going to get hot here. And and what we have today, we're not going to have throughout the summer. And so I, I cannot foresee that we're going to gather out here in 95 degrees and 95% humidity. So we're thankful, but we have to pray. Supplications for pastor, for the church leaders, for God's provision. That, that God would continue to bless this church so we would continue the missionary work. Pray for our missionaries. And maybe, you know, as you uh, pray in your family, you could take the church directory and pray through it. Which is why it's a good thing maybe if you are praying through the directory and you see that person who's coming up this next week, or those seven people, you ask them, what can we pray for for you? And that would also enhance the fellowship of the brethren together. Pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. They need prayer. As was mentioned this morning, they do not have a corner on the market of wisdom. They need wisdom from on high. And if they don't even know they need it, we know they need it. And if they're not asking, we can ask for them. We need to plead with God. We need to pray and plead. Plead for the church that is being persecuted I was convicted even as uh, Pastor Shazad was leading the service that I need to take that open doors list and make it part of my daily prayer, my weekly prayer to pray for the persecuted church and pray through that list. There are so many things that we can bring before the Lord our God. We can do that in our family as well. You can download that open doors thing. Just go to their website. And so Pray. In your families. So Bible meditation. Prayer in all of its aspects. But then thirdly. The third thing that uh, we can do in family devotions is sing. Now I'm very well aware that not everybody is gifted with a good voice. I hear myself. So yeah I'm, I'm aware of that. But you know you can croak to the glory of God. I mean the frogs do. So. In your family, you know, maybe you're not the most melodious, maybe you're not the most musical of families, but you take the praise of God and you say, okay, we can put an app on our phone, we can download the tunes from the uh, Trinity Hymnal online, and we can at least have accompaniment that way, and we can sing to the praise of God, we can go through the hymnal, we can choose our favorite songs. I still remember... A little girl, you know, oh, maybe two years old, singing, Oli, 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 uh, Lord God Almighty. And so you teach them to sing the praise of God. Now, it doesn't have to be from the hymnal. Good Bible choruses, that is, based on Scripture, Scripture songs. There's uh, no reason not to use such good Scriptural content in your singing, in your family. All right, so that's what you do. Three things. Bible meditation, prayer, singing the praise of God. Now, just some miscellaneous directions. Because people ask these kind of questions with regard to family devotions. First of all, time. When, what time of day do you know? When, Pastor, when should I do this? Well, there's no law. There's no uh, set time. But here's the stipulation. It should be, A time when almost everybody's there. I know as kids get to be teenagers, they've got soccer practice and basketball practice and and who knows what, you know, flute practice and and, uh, musical comb practice and whatever else they do. But it's whenever you're all there together, the time when the whole family can be gathered together. Maybe it's the breakfast table. Maybe that's the time before everybody runs off. Maybe it's dinner time after dinner. Uh, it all depends on your schedule. Maybe it's bedtime, but you know the problem with bedtime? You fall asleep. You know, you, you read in the Bible, and I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes when my wife and I would pray together at the, in the evening, I'm gone. <laughs> So, bedtime, maybe not. Find the best time for your family in your circumstances. Second miscellaneous direction is this, variety. Sometimes maybe read a Bible storybook, sometimes Proverbs, sometimes the Gospels, uh, but don't always do the same thing. Don't always sing the same song. Maybe when they're little, that's the only song they know. Okay, but uh, let's try to have a little bigger repertoire as they grow older. Variety. I remember Pastor Martin telling us in TMA, uh, here at the Academy, more than once I heard it, that, you know, you don't want to fall into a rut. Why? Well, a rut is just a name for a grave with the ends kicked out. And you don't want to be in there as dead. Doing the same old thing time after time and it's just repetitious. Don't fall into a rut. Bring variety to your family devotions. Thirdly, involve the children. Don't just be a one-way street. Ask them questions. Listen to their input. What do you think? Maybe, you know, there are families that are very creative and so you act the story out involve them so that they immerse themselves in the Bible world and get the lesson home to their hearts. I know a little girl who would bring in, you know, you ask them for their input and she would bring up the most seemingly unrelated thing. Where did that come from? But in her mind, it was connected. So, okay, maybe it's a little rabbit trail, but bring that rabbit back. And it's a little bit of a skill, and you can ask some good teachers. We have some good teachers in this congregation. How do I bring that rabbit back and get it on track again? Uh, So involve them and listen to them. And as they learn to read, have them read parts of the passage so that they are connected with the Word of God. A fourth direction, keep it interesting. Keep it reverent. This is not joke time. Uh, not that laughter is somehow sinful. But you're communicating to them an attitude to God's word. And if you communicate to them, oh, let's go, we got to do family devotion. I get your Bible. If that's what you communicate, don't be surprised if they say, oh, family devotions. This should be something that's vitally important to your own life, vitally interesting to you, and that communicates to them so that they delight in it. Keep it interesting. Don't do it in a boring manner. Do it in a lively way. The Bible is packed with its own variety. Haven't we seen that in Colossians? I mean, we dealt with in chapter 2, that whole heresy business and chapter 1. What a variety in this little book of Colossians. And now here we are in the family. Who would have thought? The Bible has its own variety. That's why, you know, people ask, well, how do you keep variety in in preaching 35, 40 years? You just preach the Bible, (laughs) And, you know, you're not not going to be playing the same tune all the time. It's the same truth. But it got so much to it. Variety comes out of the scriptures. But above all, brethren, here's my last miscellaneous direction. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't say, well, the kids are big now. We don't need to do this. When they're big, all the more you need to do it. You need to uh, take up those things, those questions of life that they begin to wrestle with and deal with them in the Scriptures. The Scriptures are relevant with a capital R, capital E, capital L, I hope I spell it right, (laughs) E-V-A-N-T, relevant. And they need to get that message from you. And so yeah, that's as far as I'm going to get. If you want to know where I was going to go, if I had, you know, if I was going to keep you here all night. The, the next part, so Lord willing, next Lord's Day, would be teach your children the way, the, the word of the Lord along the way every day. So you seize the opportunities of life every day, wherever you are. And we'll deal with that, Lord willing, next week. But let's just wrap up here with some words of application. Fathers and mothers, and I include mothers here even though it says fathers, because if the dad's away or the dad doesn't get home until late from his commute to New York, moms, you're the delegated authority. Don't neglect this work. Again, God commands it. Again, you want to see your kids saved. I know you do. Take God's word, apply it to their lives. And if you've been lazy in this, take your kids, sit down with them tonight, confess your sin, and say, Daddy is serious about this. We need God's word more in our family. We're going to do this. And if Daddy forgets, remind him. All right? Why do I say if Daddy forgets? Well, (laughs) I'm a dad. I'm forgetful. I'm not the only one. Dad, are we going to have devotions tonight? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not that he doesn't want to. He's got a million things on his brain. But this should be very high, brethren, on your brain. Do it. Now... Again, singles, parents with no kids yet. You're a kid, you're, you're somebody's child, and you're somebody's aunt or uncle. And if you're not literally an aunt or uncle, <laughs> look out here this congregation. You're a, a, an adopted aunt or uncle, in some way, by all these kids. They're looking at you. I remember, I'll just tell a little story One of uh, the members of our church in Moonwalk came by our house years and years ago. Our kids were small, and he had he had something he needed to ask me. And it just so happened he came right after dinner. We were sitting down for family devotions around the table, and I said, "Oh, join us!" So he joined us. He sat down at the table while we read the scriptures, prayed together. I don't remember if we sang on that occasion, but. um, He said to me years later, he was a single man at the time, now he's married, his kids are big. How much that meant to him to see that in practice. He had heard sermons on this, but to see it happen. Now, singles, married couples with no kids, maybe with grown kids or out of the house, you have somebody in your home, you have an opportunity. Not that you just do it for that purpose. We didn't do it for that purpose. But you are giving an example that you don't, didn't even dream of doing. Your life impacts these kids, young people around us. Be a good example. And so, what's the big deal about family devotions? Show me that in the book. I hope I did. Ephesians 6, Deuteronomy 6, Genesis chapter 18. But it's the Word of God. And it's your children. If I can talk to your hearts. As I get to know the kids in this church coming in from the Philippines. They're precious. I love when they come to me at the door. I love to get to know them. I missed a couple generations there. Seems like. They're precious. I want to see them in glory. Don't neglect this part of bringing them up in the nurture of The fear, the discipline, the admonition of the Lord. Family devotions. It's important. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and plead for help. We confess our failures. We confess that all too many times we've been too busy, too occupied, too forgetful, too lazy. Forgive us. I plead especially for the fathers of Trinity Baptist Church that you would give us backbones of steel and wills of iron, that we would be determined to raise our children according to your word in the discipline and admonition that is taught in your word. And that they would not only memorize scripture, not only learn catechisms, not only be familiar with the contents of the gospel. But that the Savior preached and taught and presented in the gospel would be their Savior. And they would trust Him, that they would walk in His ways, and that we would be together for eternity in the new heavens and new earth in which dwell righteousness. Hear our cry, and for those who do not know you at all yet, we plead that even a, a taste of seeing how good Christian life, family life, Christian life in the forgiveness with the smile of God is, that they would be jealous and that they would run to the Savior, even tonight, and find mercy find forgiveness, find grace all through Jesus in His blood, in His righteousness. We ask in His precious name. Amen.